You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Tanya, Kim, Thank you so much for both being here on Spark TV. Now, I met Kim at an amazing little uh, market slash cafe slash restaurant probably three or four years ago. Um, and it wasn't through East Forged, your current business. It was through um, a previous business. So I'm so excited to chat to you both about how you both met, how you both went into business together and your backstories. Um, who wants to kick us off? How did you guys actually get here? This is, I'll let you uh, it's, now we're both, we're all going to be too polite now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Kim actually normally takes this part, so you, you go for it, Kim. Oh, I, I just thought let's do it in reverse. It's something oh, different. okay then. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we always try and be even and fair with each other. Oh, my God, I Kim love this. I, this is like co-founder love right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. We do get along really well. Um, we have our moments. But yeah, that is true. Well. But you've got to, though. You've got yeah. to be able to have your moments. Yeah, exactly. Now, Kim and I, um, we're tea specialists and we actually met down at the um, Melbourne International Coffee Expo, MICE. And we, I forget who, I think I was sitting somewhere and Kim was walking past. Anyway, someone introduced us and we started chatting. And that conversation, I don't know, we just went into the whole thing like, I wish tea was more like this. I wish people understood tea better and um so we found through that quick conversation we had some pretty common values mm. and then over time we did a couple of uh, a little project together which was the whiskey infused tea um, oh. I'm sorry it was um that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah we infused some oolong tea in a whiskey barrel oh so that wow was pretty interesting and it was fun yeah, and through that, we both, it gave us a glimpse into our work ethics. Yep. And then we just started having conversations about how bad is the iced tea industry mm. and why don't more cafes do cold brew tea? It's so easy. And we thought, well, if they're not going to do it, maybe we should do it. And then this conversation and Kim and I were talking, I still remember one day saying to Kim, Kim, you do, we're having this conversation, but you're sort of thinking about this as both of us doing it together, huh? And she went, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Do you remember that? I do. I was going to say it was, it was, it was like 
we were sort of workshopping some issues, not issues, but in terms of bringing a cold tea product to market, we were just talking through the issues that I was thinking of. Mm. And I always just had in my mind that because Tanya and I had been talking about it together, that it was something I'd like to do with her together. So that was never a question. And um, I think the penny dropped for Tanya one day and it was yeah. just like, oh, you, you, you're talking about us doing it together. Yeah. <laughs> but you can never assume. You never know. No, you know she might have been just digging into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> so basically that's how it happened. Um, I live here in regional Victoria mm-hmm. and uh, Kim, as you know, is in Queensland, but I am an ex-Queenslander. So went good. I'm glad. <laughs> and and, and to, I, I have to say, there's lots of times I love coming up to Queensland, and I just love talking to Kim because um, I know we're all Australians, but really every state speaks their own language. Mm, it's very true. And so I I often say to Kim, I really feel like I'm coming home. <laughs> Chatting to her, I come to visit. So yeah, so basically that's how we started off. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. And because it's really interesting, I remember when I first tried the product, because I I remember I did a little stint in the US and I was always surprised. So in the US, they're a little bit more into into iced tea, unsweetened, as you would expect it to be. But in Australia, it's the terrible, in a bottle, sugary, disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I was always surprised that we didn't have that here. So when I saw your product, I was like, ah, this is like a no-brainer. This makes sense. This is how you should drink it. So um, obviously, you know, without, so what is your elevator pitch? I won't do it. Tell me the elevator pitch for East Forged. Your turn, Kimmy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, with East Forge, we produce a uh, refreshingly social new style of iced tea. Um, we don't add any sugars or sweeteners. It's just the natural cold brew taste of tea. And we add a small amount of fruit juice to round out the flavour profile. But the exciting thing that we do in the theatrical element is we add in a new um, addition, which is what we've come to coin as the air element. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Really, it's a it's a trend element because it's incorporating. We utilize two different gases to to come up with that con- textural con- concept. And um, when it pours out into a glass, it actually looks like another social beverage, the beer. Yeah, it's so cool. I remember the first time I try it when you shake it up and the nitro infusion does its work and then it pours out and you're like, wow, this is like I'm drinking something super special. This isn't just iced tea as you know it. It's mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, that, and that's what Kim and I wanted because you can, you can anyone can do cold brew tea at home and mm. it doesn't have to be the special cold brew tea bags, by the way. Any tea will work as a cold brew. You know, you just pop the leaves into the water and then pop it into the fridge overnight. So we knew we had to create an elevated customer experience. Yes. Also, by not adding sugar, sugar, fats and alcohol provide so much texture to a drink. Mm. And so because we weren't, and they are flavour carriers as well. And because we weren't adding those elements, we needed something. And as Kim said, that's where we added the air, our unique mix of gases. And mm-hmm. that adds that beautiful mouth texture when you're drinking it, that silky, smooth nitro foam. 
Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. So then tell me, okay, so you both met at a coffee conference, which I find crazy. Um, <laughs> you were tea, your tea background and tea product and you met at a coffee conference. But so how did you, so obviously you ha- both had careers or businesses before that. What were your individual backgrounds um, before you got to East Forged? Yeah, sure. I'll diving. Um, I am actually a chartered accountant um, by my training. <laughs> Did you know that? Did I didn't know that. No, I just think of you as my my tea lady. <laughs> no, my past my past life. Well, I still am a chartered accountant. I'm a registered chartered accountant. Um, but yeah, I um, did the whole thing through big four and I've worked in a variety of sectors and even went and spent time over in the UK for five years in a FTSE listed media agency and traveled around the world in that role and um, yeah so that's kind of my previous background and I guess in terms of where tea sort of fits into my life um, tea has been part of my life right from when I was a small child Mm. and I, I am actually an Australian, a Taiwanese Australian adoptee. So my parents are of a Western background. Mm-hmm. And so tea in our household was very much the British traditions of tea. So that's sort of black tea with milk. Um, but the, the, I, not, not great tea, by the way. Um, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> Sounds parents, like the tea my dad drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like this little quick dunk of a tea, tea bag into mm. water and then lots of milk. It's not great. Um, but it was, it's the ritual and it was always yeah. that thing that was on the table. You know, the pot of tea, the kettle would go on as soon as everyone woke up in the morning. If someone, if we had a guest, it would be the first thing that sort of, that we made for them so in that re- respect I guess I've always just had this nice um ritual and and comfort and soothing feeling around tea mm. um and then I guess as I got left home and I went to university which I went to uni in Brisbane um I sort of started to do a bit more exploration more of the tr- like the trends on tea flavored um and those styles of tea so I sort of became known in my tea circles as being the tea person. But yeah. looking back, I actually knew nothing about tea, to be honest. Um, but, um, yeah, we just used to have these little tea parties where we, you know, threw up a few different flavoured teas. And, and so when my husband and I had our first trip together overseas, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he organised this um experience for me to sit down with a tea master and oh wow yeah he was um a team in Singapore and it was a brewing master so he had this dinky little tea set I've never seen it before and we sat down everything was miniature size tiny like doll size Mm. and what I came to learn it's actually the custom of small teapot brewing or the sort of gong fu cha style and we sat there for a full afternoon got completely tea drunk Wow, um, which is a thing. Um, eating these little dim sums and um, being transported really in into this new style of tea that I'd never ever encountered before. The mm. um, single origin, single garden. Um, and it was a it was pretty much oolongs that we stuck on most of the day, and I've never actually encountered that. Mm. And um, one of the teas that we actually drank was a Taiwanese oolong, which was a in the Dongding. And all of a sudden, I got the, I had this connection to Taiwan 
uh, which oh wow i had the only real sort of connection i'd had in the past with taiwan is that things that are made in Taiwan are probably better than those that are made in China, like in terms of quality. Like that's, that's oh, okay. That's I get that. That's a, yeah. You know? yeah, as a Westerner. <laughs> exactly. And that's, as I said, that's my background in terms of being raised. So um, I just dived into this rabbit hole of learning more about Taiwanese teas. And it just gave me this real sense of pride about mm. this art, this crafted product, um, agricultural product that they're so well known for um and it just made me want to learn more and that that really sparked that sort of drive to learn more about tea and the world of tea um and then it just maintained i was really a passion project um all through my sort of accounting career and i think when i moved to the uk i got really serious about being a really nerdy sort of tea person and i was traveling around the world three out of every four weeks and couldn't quite keep up with time zones. I was working to UK time, trying to work local time. And it was just like 24 hour cycle of work. Wow. And I just thought, I'm just going to really engage my passion. And wherever I go, I'm just going to learn what Tia is about in that country. And, and that's cool. basically what I did for five years and massed all this knowledge, had no idea what I was going to do with it. Came back to Australia, um, took a little trip to come back home and actually fell pregnant with my son. <laughs> Um, and then tried to go back into accounting land and just had no passion left for it. Mm. So it was like, okay, what else am I going to do? And I thought I really would love to show people in particularly Brisbane, my local community, what tea can be. So I thought I'm just going to dive in and, and try and edu educate people in this community more about tea. Um, and that's sort of where it all started. Wow, that's awesome. And I it's so cool because I remember you you are the person that opened my eyes about tea. You know, I remember going down to um wandering cooks on a, a Sunday and, and getting to taste all of the different things and you getting to know my taste and hey, try this and try this. And yeah, it was such a, a cool experience. Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah, I miss those days. I know, <laughs> sure. a simpler time, a simpler time. <laughs> and what about you, Tanya? What's your story prior to East Forged? Uh, prior to East Forge, I was selling commercial lighting. So oh. lighting in houses, street lighting, flood lighting. Wow. Yes, I can calculate a really good lighting design. And I, I, love, I love that. These are both two things, accounting and lighting, and you went tea. Tea's our thing. Yeah, and tea's yeah. out there, yeah. 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 So um, as I told people, oh, my partner's an electrical engineer and mm -hmm. both my kids went into lighting as well. So we're not wow. the most, um, we're not the greatest of uh dinner companions if we go out to a restaurant because the four of us will sit there with our heads up going really? <laughs> just just assessing what's going better on. over here and, <laughs> yeah so and we really do we walk around with our heads up all the time so even though we're out of it I've been out of it for years it's sort of like still very much part of um my thought process and mm. and what I love about lighting and I still love lighting is like tea it, it it's this unseen presence within everyone's life and it can mm. affect your mood yeah um and and people don't think about it they mm. don't realize how it affects them you know so yeah. so anyway 
that's what I used to do, but also the industry, because it was part of the construction industry on the commercial side of it, it mm-hmm. is, it's pretty tough. And when you've got long lead times and you've got to get big chandeliers in, chandeliers in for projects and that, it was like, I'm, I'm just getting too old for this stress. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I take on other stress and start up another business. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, I don't know if you thought that through. I didn't think, think it was very yeah. stressful. <laughs> So for me, like him, I grew up drinking tea. My dad taught me how to make tea. He was the billy boy when he was a carp- uh, apprentice carpenter. Mm. Set, set the billy going in the 44-gallon drum. Which wow. See, now the apprentice is sent down the road to grab some coffees. Mm. It's like, um, but, and I was in China and I was just in some local markets and everything and I had bought um, a teapot and the shop owner invited me to sit and drink some tea with him. And it was a really beautiful green tea and I hadn't tried green tea like that before. Mm. And I went, how come we don't have tea like that back here in Australia? Mm. And um, so that was my exit plan out of lighting to go into tea. Wow. And I had planned to go and study in um, China because as a, oh, as a salesperson, I truly believe that you must know what you're selling, you know. You yeah. must understand your product. And you thought, I'll get my head around this tea really easy. It can't be as hard as calculating lighting plans, you know. Mm. And um, as Kim and I both agree, the more you learn, the more you realise you don't know. And my first study tour was to Taiwan and strange connection between Kim and I and I ended up down the rabbit hole of Taiwan and I've traveled back there quite a few times now just learning more and more so the trips to Japan China and and India just didn't happen because I ended up in Taiwan so yeah wow that's incredible Mm -hmm. and so you know obviously we've both both of you have gone from Korea's to yeah. then falling in love with tea and yeah. then serendipitously meeting and deciding and chatting and, and you know, building a relationship around tea and then deciding to build a business together. Mm-hmm. So how did you, I guess, so there's two questions I want to ask. Firstly, what roles you both play in the business and how you find having co-founders and how you navigate that relationship. And then I want to explore like how you actually got to making a product. So product development is hard. So I'm super keen to understand that, but let's, let's talk about your roles first. So how did you decide who was going to do what has that evolved over time? Um, And what do you both do now in the business? Yeah, it's definitely evolved. Yeah. At first, it was very much um, we made joint decisions and we sat in meetings together and it was very much we were a couple. We yeah. were a strong couple. Hey, Kim. Everything about, like, across the business, we, we both were 100% across. Wow. And then we just, um, there was a couple of little things that happened and, the to-do list just got bigger and bigger and we, mm. we it was actually we were going through the Startmate program wasn't it oh cool yep well through the interview process the interview oh, yeah. process yeah and we got to second round in that which was really great but it was the thing that really stood out to us and a little bit of advice given to us is that divide and conquer yeah yep and so Kim naturally um headed towards the financial side because me and spreadsheets, they sort of scare me. 
<laughs> Excel scares me just yep. a little bit. And so then an eye steered towards like the sales and marketing because I actually have a degree in marketing, though it's been many years since I had done the marketing, but that's sort of where I steered that way. So hmm. I, yeah, so we sort of divided that way, didn't we, Kim? Yeah, yeah, we did. We still make decisions about um, MPD together and product mm -hmm. development because I think that is actually our superpower. Yeah. What we know about tea and being able to then merge that knowledge together and mm. come up with ideas around product. Um, so we think that will always stay the same, but it's definitely been about um, trying to move, move our responsibilities a little bit so that we can cover more ground and, and get more things done. Even yeah. though I'm the worst at it. So. I don't I don't know. It's like also besides I, I say like Kim takes care of like the accounting and everything, but she's also the one leading the charge in the investment round. Mm, going out there yeah. talking to investors and and that's like really selling us as well. And but she's better at speaking that language than me. I'm just like yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. Kim, you do, you take care of that. But I mean, that is so good, right? Like being able to, um, I guess, be able to have those conversations and respect each other enough where you can go, you know what, you're really good at that. I'm really good at this. And this stuff we both are amazing at and we should come together for that more strategic product piece. That's incredible. Yeah, it, but I think it's also, it came out of necessity. Mm. But when, mm. that, when that was- Which I think it often does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm. But when that advice was given to us, we'd been together oh, talking to each other and probably working on this for a couple of years. So, yeah, you know, you, there is that development of trust that has come through by then. Mm. We've started to see the good and bad side of each other by then, you know, <laughs> and still love each other. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's like that, though. Somebody said that to me once um, with a co-founder. They're like, plan the divorce before the wedding. And you're like, yeah. I was like, well, that's a very romantic way to look at it. But it was kind of that, you know, you're good at this. They're good at that. You know, document that down. Think about what might happen in the event of a disagreement or like completely parting ways. Like have all of those open and honest conversations as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. 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 Um, I have to say, we haven't really talked about ever parting ways, though. I don't That's think I'd let him go. No. And I don't think Kim would let me go. With, Good. Try to Good. Away from me. I'd be the classic hanging on to her ankles as she walked away. She'd be saying, please let me go. And I'd be going, and I think she'd do the same to me. I was going to oh, say, I'd do I love the same. So I would. I would do the same. And I think we, we both are very clear on what our the exit plan. And I think we're both mm. on the same page with that. And because of that, um, yeah, we're, we're in it together to, the, to, to, to a point, you know? And then, yeah. yeah, so. There was something, Kim, there was something we did in early days and it was about our values, wasn't it? Yes, it was about, um, I think, yeah, it was looking at our why, but not not necessarily the why for the business, but our personal why, like why are we mm -hmm. both in this? And we sort of went through, we, we, we spent a, quite a bit of time around that. And I think we, we have different styles and we have two independent people and we think differently, that's for certain. Yep. Um, but I think the core value of, of what we 
love about tea and what we really hope for the tea industry mm. um, aligns very, very strongly. Mm. Um, and I think once we sort of found that and we had a conversation around why we're both here doing what we're doing, um, that, that sort of underpinned it. And that's probably why we don't, yeah, we, we've never yeah, talked we just, about leaving each other. Or, no, you know. we don't. And it's also how we view the world as well, Kim, remember, mm. and our basic values that way. That's right. Mm. What prompted you to do something like that? Was there was there a, a was there advice? Was there just a, a conversation? Like, was there something that triggered you both sitting down and and talking about that? Why, Kim, you were the one that came up with it. You I said, think... "I want to do this." What? Why? Yeah, I, I know. I um I uh, I walk my dog religiously at five forty in the morning, and mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts. I'm a big podcaster, so yep. um that's sort of where I intake new information. And I think I had been listening to I might have been listening to an audio book yep. by Simon Sinek at the time. Oh, yep. And it just I, there was some good stuff in there, and I just thought I think it'd be great if we could have this discussion about where East Forge is going and, and why Tanya and I are so invested in it um, because I think that's going to be important in the long term and probably at the time I didn't think much more of it than that but um, I did I it was I think I said to Tanya we've really got to do this I think it's yeah. important <laughs> uh, and look it turned out to be awesome like it turned out to be one of those fundamental conversations that you know you think at the time you're just having a chat and sharing ideas and sharing values but it really does underpin how you work together yep absolutely yep. Oh, i love that that's awesome so let's talk product so you know um people dialing in it, it's a full mixed bag it's e-commerce companies software of a service hardware companies um product-based businesses so you guys have a product um a food and beverage industry category product and I would say it's a pretty new category, do you think? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, tell look, me again. It is. I, I would say it's a it's a it's a segment within the ICT category that is first to market. Yeah, and that's so I'm kind of sitting here thinking, you know, how did you go about approaching people and saying, this is our idea, <laughs> let's make this happen. I uh, I assume there were no issues, it was super smooth, everything was fantastic, you know, first uh -huh. prototype work. No. So tell me about that process and, you know, what challenges might have come up and, and how you overcame them and, and, yeah, share that process with us. Sure. You can take this one. Okay, I'll start, I'll start. Um, the actual, I think the flavour development in terms of, let me start by saying we didn't really know what the end product was going to be. Mm. We, we sort of knew we needed to elevate a cold brew tea experience, but mm -hmm. we just weren't, wasn't, we weren't 100% sure on the execution. Yep. Um, but in terms of flavour profiles and what we wanted our first line of used to be um which were the three flavors that that came fairly quickly um and it was probably it was we're very fortunate tanya had just been um over in shanghai representing australia as the tea brewing champion of australia so she was, oh wow yeah which is very cool and not everyone knows that part of our story um 
so she'd just come back from Shanghai, seen lots of cool stuff happening over in China. And um, we were just monitoring. We were always, as tea people, we monitor the tea space and there were some other sort of nitro drinks popping up here and there. Mm. Um, and up, up in Brisbane, because the weather was really warm and I, mm. um, as part of sort of my other tea business, I, I consult to cafes and restaurants and I always give them a model for making a cold brew tea product because there's always good returns on investment there. Mm. So our headspace was in the right place. Um, as we sort of thought about a little bit more about how we go to market, <laughs> um, apart from a whole level of naivety, one of our first thoughts were we we're going to go to the markets, the weekend morning markets, sell this product. Remember that, Tanya? <laughs> I know. And I know. sort of sat with us for a couple of days. I said, Tanya, I've got two young children. Mm. It's just not, it's not what I want to do with my no <laughs> and I don't know how scalable it was um in that format so that was a quick revision let's just say good I'm glad <laughs> yeah. um but it was a matter of so we we sort of kept working on flavor profile we sent samples up and down the east coast of Australia um and then we sort of thought about we were starting to think at this point how are we going to get it to people and yeah. how you know what's going to be that overall result and there was a lot of conversations around like what sort of container it should go to the mm. consumer in. Mm. And there was a lot of conversation about that, wasn't there, Tanya? Yeah, there was. The battle of the bottle or uh, a can. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember we spent a long time on that. And I I think I may have had a bit of a preference towards a can. Mm. Um, but we were given a lot of advice that tea sold in a bottle is considered more premium because you can see what the liquid is and that, and that sort of thing so um because I was we were kind of starting to get interested in a can it I don't know if this is working backwards in terms of our thought process but yeah that we knew that was what we wanted it in so that's where the conversation started we started mm -hmm. tracking down people that can drink Mm. Um, and we had some very interesting conversations, didn't we, Tanya? Oh, the first people we reached. Oh, oh wow. I, I, let's let's say there was a lot of um, unanswered uh, unanswered messages left. You know, non-return phone calls. Oh yes, we can do that, and then no. So mm. no. And I really thought down here in Melbourne, you know, like the breweries down here would have been up for something like really different. But no, no, it ended up being a Sydney guy. It did. <laughs> I was it prepared ended. to take on the canning side of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's right. So um, we finally found a, a mobile canner that we had a conversation with. And he said, even though he couldn't help us directly, mm. um, he, know, he knew someone that might be interested in Taking it, taking the brewing process and the actual pro the creation process, um, and having that conversation. So that's how we landed with our co-packer that we we use today. Um, cool. So we're very fortunate for Andy, um, and we sort of we lobbed up there, didn't we, Tanya? <laughs> <laughs> Um, to a, a craft beer brewery and we sort of said this is what we want to do we want to take these tea leaves and we want to put them in we don't know exactly but we want to brew this and then we want to put some um, gas and 
With tea, um, particularly, uh, there's we have seen sparkling teas and you can still find sparkling teas on the market. But mm. with sparkling teas and the use of CO2, CO2 very quickly overrides the delicate tea flavours. Yeah, um, okay. And what you tend to find is that when people really start to use CO2 into their drinks, they are adding back in either um, sweeteners, sugars, or mm. fruit juices. And it quickly transforms into either a fruit forward drink or something that's a lot sweeter and, and not yeah. representing the tea. Yeah. Um, so we knew we didn't we knew we didn't want to play too too much around with CO2, but we definitely had seen sort of nitrogen being a potential option for us. Mm. Um, and yeah, creating extra head. Yeah. I still remember sending you a message from China, Kim. I, yeah. After the competition, because I saw a nitro over there a little bit, and I just texted her from Shanghai going, mm, mm, no CO2, it's nitro. Yeah. <laughs> this is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. This is what we need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But oh, then it was yeah. through Andy that we we ended up with the, the mix of gases. So that's the similar mix to like a Guinness beer. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you've got that lasting excitement within the drink once the nitrogen foam disappears because yeah. that can go fairly quickly. Okay. Yeah, so that's the reason behind it, yeah. And so you've found the person after many trials and tribulations. So about 12 months, actually. Oh, one. wow, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it was not quick at all. Yeah. We were developing our flavour profiles and the whole time just keep bringing people, visiting mm. people. Yeah. No. And to was... be honest, if we hadn't have been two of us, this is where, this is where the co-founder power really came to light, I think. Yeah. Both of us said we would have given up. It would have yeah. probably within two months, three months of the journey trying to do it yourself. It would just would have been too yeah. bit overwhelming. Well, it's so defeating, I guess, if everyone's kind of like not replying or saying yes, then no, and whatever. Like that is yeah, it's, it would be easy to give up. And and I sort of understand why they were saying no now. Oh yeah. <laughs> because what we're doing is really different. Mm. and and we are first to market and yeah. and we just sort of to us it's it's a natural thing to do with tea mm. and it's funny at the recent consumer makers and shakers I was at in Sydney just a couple of weeks ago you know people were saying why isn't this being done before and we were I we don't know mm. we actually don't know but we actually think it's just because the time is right now well, I, I mean, the thing that I think of is that there are a lot of wines coming out that are zero alcohol. And I think what that what that's saying is there is a, a big market of people that want to engage in a social activity that doesn't involve drinking, you know, and I just feel like you guys were way ahead of that trend and I, like I feel like there's a lot of things going on I feel like that is one thing and then just the education around tea and how amazing that experience can be and how amazing and and you're right changing people's perception of the uh, English breakfast with milk you know versus all of these amazing flavors and opportunities that there are there and and you're right there is nobody else doing that no no, wow. nobody else is doing it. In fact, we were asked once, where have you seen this idea? <laughs> we said, yeah, we were asked that. 
which is fine. I can understand because most people say there's never an original idea. And mm. and we actually said, no way. Yeah, no wow. Way. That is so cool. That is so cool. So what's what's next? What are you guys working on at the moment? And, and what's the next challenge that you're tackling? Um, well, I think for us, we dropped into a major retailer this week for the first time. Oh my God, congratulations. Um, yeah, this is so cool. Yes. It was. It's very cool. It's very amazing. It's quite amazing to see your product on shelf, I have mm. to say. Mm. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's a pilot trial, um, but we're hoping that it's going to give the data points that we need to then be able to roll it out a little bit further. Yep. Um, Tanya's been head down in a fantastic accelerator program, and I'll let Tanya talk to that. Mm -hmm. um, and we are looking to sort of start our scaling journey now, I guess. So I've, we were fortunate to be boosting female founders recipients. Oh, um, nice. Awesome. Grant. Yeah, yep. um, from last year. And we've brought on a couple of investors now um, to support awesome. this scaling journey. Um, and it's, yeah. And you guys awesome. did a Kickstarter to start as well, a crowdfunding type campaign. Yeah, correct. We did. We did. So um, in 20, that's 2019, we ran that. I can't believe that yeah. was that long ago. I know. I know. Oh, my we God. Date. It's just yeah. um, mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah. That was ages ago. And that was just before we launched. And that was also with, um, that was very small. And that was more to validate that people were interested nice. in the product. It was the same yeah. as we went to all the tea festivals at the time. So we product validation was really super important to us, which it should be anyway when you're creating. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Make sure that, you know, people do think it's as good as we think it is. Yeah. 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 Um, and during our journey, one of the problems that Kim and I had probably was with distribution. Mm. Um, just that knowledge of working with supermarkets um, because our strategy plan in the beginning was to do hospitality um, and um, we launched the week before we all shut down for COVID oh. so um, that was an unexpected joy yes uh, but yes. we also I'd you call it a joy <laughs> <laughs> but what we found through the journey is that people our customers, um, yes, they go to cafes and restaurants, but they don't necessarily necessarily hang out at bars, but they mm. want us at the supermarket. They actually want us there. Yep. So that's then why we've had to really look at our distribution and the couple of investors that we've brought on actually uh, are great guys, you know, from Future State. And they've been in the industry distribution, supermarket distribution, food service for a long, we won't say how many years, but they're, a long time so having them on board they're the ones that help get us into coals um the accelerator i'm working i've just finished working with is actually a woolworths funded accelerator oh, cool. Australia. Yeah. so we're hoping fingers crossed some success comes out of that in the next few months as well awesome that's incredible and and i think um 
you know, one thing I've seen you guys do a lot is awards, accelerators, programs, grants. I love the idea of, you know, we don't have to do this alone. There's people out there who have experience and expertise and how can you leverage that to grow your business? I think that is so smart. Yeah, I will have to say it's one of the things it did take us a little while to learn. And so some of our learning could have been accelerated had we you know, we were of the opinion of strong, you know. independent women. Yeah. We are intelligent. We can do everything ourselves. That kind of is how we came out of the gate yeah. <laughs> in the first few months. Good, though. That's, you need a little bit of that. You need you a little need bit of that. that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not important. Um, <laughs> but there's just things that you just don't know. And if you ask and you start to do your research well, mm -hmm. um, geez, it's made a huge difference for us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, I get asked, what's the one thing that you would give as a piece of advice? And down here in Victoria, I always say, go along to Startup Vic. It's mm. one of the best startup communities. And just hang out. Yes. Just hang out with other founders. Yeah. Listen to their problems, their woes. And, throw, and don't be scared to talk about your idea. Oh, my God. Yes. This is the best advice. Yes. Yeah, you've got to talk about it. We all get paranoid. Oh, no, someone else will take the idea. But you've, you've got to. You've got to be because you'll find more people will want to help you and support you through that idea mm. than people that want to take it away from you. Well, so the biggest, and you're, you're so right, the biggest thing I learned was it is so hard. People won't steal your idea because, because the idea is not the hard part. The idea is, the, is, well, roughly the easy part, the actual doing of it and yeah. bringing that to market, that is the hard part. And that's why people don't steal ideas is because they know how you can have the idea and that takes you 10 years to actually get it to be a success, you know? And, and you're right, like I've been blown away. Even that's why we do the Spark TV that we're on right now. It's because founders are so generous and all it takes is just having that conversation, asking those questions, listening to other people's stories where you go, oh, that was that thing that I'm dealing with. Or, you know, if this inspires someone to apply for a grant that they were holding back on or whatever it might be, like that is the magic, just having those conversations with people who are who are in it trying to do what you're trying to do. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I agree too. Oh, my God. Well, that is phenomenal. And I love it because that was the question that I was going to wrap up with, which is what is that one piece of advice that you would give to a founder who was either early stage or just starting out. And I love that you threw it in there because um, talking to people, getting amongst the community, whether, you know, wherever it is, whatever city you're in um, is, is definitely the key. And I always say this to, you know, there are so many free resources out there mm -hmm. and people who are in say more regional areas who might not get access to go to networking events. There's so much online that you can jump in and start listening to other people's stories. So I'm so grateful that both of you came on Spark TV um, and shared your um, experience and wisdom with the Spark community as well. That's absolutely incredible. Oh, you're more than welcome. We're yeah, very happy a to talk. And it's not very often that Kim and I get to sit side by side like this and chat. No, I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. It's and lovely. it's so good. I love hearing the co-founder story. That's incredible. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, you guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much again for being here. And um, I know that everyone listening in would have gotten a lot of wisdom from you both. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.